The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. And with me, as always, is the star of the show, former WWE Tag Team Champion, eight-time Smoky Mountain Wrestling Tag Team Champion, as well as one of the greatest trainers in the history of professional wrestling. He is the Doctor of Desire, Tom Pritchard. Tom, how are you today? John, doing great. What a lovely evening after a a two-day camp in Knoxville, Tennessee. It couldn't be better. That is great. That's kind of the first thing I wanted to bring up, but first... Got to bring up that this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. That's right. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. Blue Chew is made in the U.S. of A. It is prescribed online by licensed physicians, so you don't have to go to the doctor or wait in line. It is cheaper than a pharmacy, and they they will actually prepare and ship right to you in a discreet package. No awkwardness. And you do not need to leave the house. So, again, that is BlueChew, B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code DOC. That is right, promo code DOC, to try it for free. Sounds like a great idea to me. You can improve your confidence and performance. Get that extra confidence in bed. Get that extra confidence and try some BlueChew. Not a bad deal at all. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. Thank them for sponsoring the podcast. Remember, to support us, you will buy some a Blue Chew. Please use the promo code DOC at BlueChew.com. You pay just $5 shipping. That is it. It is basically free. So that one more time, promo code DOC to try it for free today. So speaking of DOC, and you are the doctor, and you just had that big camp that you alluded to, what is going on with Les Thatcher, and how did that camp go? I got to tell you, we had uh, – 30-plus, maybe 32 guys actually show up, guys. Wow. And one, one girl, uh, nice. actually one lady that, that did show up. And uh, Les and I uh, started at uh, 9 o'clock Saturday morning. We went through 6 on Saturday afternoon. And uh, Sunday, we, we started out at uh, 10 o'clock uh, this morning and uh, went through a little after six again this this afternoon. It was a great camp. Uh, I would hope people got a lot out of it. Um, the video study, the match study with Les yesterday or Saturday was was exceptional, and 
Les had some matches picked out to demonstrate, pardon me, the basics and fundamentals that never go out of style in professional wrestling. And uh, they say good players want to be coached and great players want to be told the truth. And we, we told uh, uh, everyone what what our opinion is, was, and will be. And let me stress that professional wrestling is just an opinion. Uh, you have your way, I have my way, but the right way, the only way does not exist. So the good thing about it was everyone was receptive. Everyone uh, came with a great attitude, worked hard, uh, worked through the, the the pain and agony of being in a hot sweat box that we have. And uh, but, it, but it builds character, and I think it builds confidence, too, when people go through the training and, and understand what they need to work on because um, I've heard there are some places who will uh, tell you how great you are, even though you may not be that great. And um, so, and people told me that this weekend, told us that this weekend as well. And uh, it was a great camp. We had a, a diverse group of people and from all over the country, which is really, really Cool to see and cool to have, cool to be around these last couple of days. <clears throat> With Les and you being there, like I think we've discussed a few times in the show, I mean, this is a lot of years of experience, probably more towards 100 years of experience. So, that, I mean, that in and of itself has got to be just a treat for these guys, right? I mean, I mean that's pretty damn cool. Well, I, I, I think, uh, especially for the guys that were here this weekend, um, some of them even, even said today they weren't sure what to expect, but they were pleasantly surprised. And yeah, there is over a hundred years of experience, uh, between myself and Les Thatcher. And we did, uh, we did impart some wisdom and some, <laughs> some opinions. And, uh, and I, I do believe, uh, I, I, the people I talk to, of course, they're going to tell us. I, I would I would hope they would tell us the truth, and they uh, all had a chance to have a match, cut promos. We, we did drills. We did men in the middle drills. Uh, we corrected some stances, some positioning, movements, timing, and execution of uh, a, a six to eight minute match and telling stories. So. Um, you don't learn all this in in one or two days. It, it's a it's a process. But we uh, we critiqued everyone as best we we could and as best we saw. And I, I wish camps like these would have been available when I was uh, coming up and growing up because I, I, I do think it's invaluable for young people who want to get in the business today to go somewhere. Um, and have have coaches, have trainers who will be honest with you and tell you what they see and what they think you ought to do to either improve or change it up. And uh, and, and that's what we did. Again, we're, we're offering our opinion. We're offering our uh, whatever expertise we've gained over the, in my case, 40 years. Les has been doing this over... Uh, I want to say maybe 60 years, and it's a lot of it's a lot a lot of mileage between us both, and uh, we, we we have both Les and I have both have seen 
a thing or two in our lifetime in, in this business. And it's a lot of fun uh, watching hopefuls come in and have the same passion and want to try so hard and uh, go out there and do it. And and that's really what you have to do is just go out there, get in the ring, or stand in front of uh, 29 other people, or, or maybe even more than that with less than me, uh, and, and tell everybody why you love professional wrestling. And uh, we weren't disappointed this weekend. We were glad to see people come out. We were glad to see... Uh, people travel from Texas, uh, North Carolina. Oh gosh, I want to say Arkansas, Mississippi, uh, a lot of the southern states, and uh, congregated on in in JPWA. So it was it was a cool weekend. It really was. One thing that's great, and I think that they realize this is. If you go to, you know, another seminar, another camp, like, okay, you know, maybe this guy, he has this credential or that credential, but Les Thatcher has literally done everything in the business. You know, I, I mean, literally everything, commentated, wrestled, uh, magazines, wrote magazines, uh, ran a promotion, I mean, everything. And then you trained everyone, including Vince McMahon, Shane McMahon, The Rock, Mark Henry, et cetera, et cetera. So I don't know if you can go necessarily to another camp and get that kind of experience. So I just want to throw that out there for the for the listeners. Well, yeah, and I, and I certainly appreciate what you're saying and what, when people come to our camps and, and uh, say the same thing, that they really got a lot out of it. And that, that's that's always great to hear. Um, but the thing of it is, is, is not every camp we do – is the same always. It, it's pretty much the same elements. We'll we'll talk, and we'll get inspired by uh, something or another, or one person or somebody else during the camp will will do something that'll click with us, and and we'll nail this topic and this uh, uh, element while while it's in front of us, and. Uh, I've seen other camps. I've seen other seminars, and uh, everybody has their style. Everybody has their way of doing things. I think the main thing when anybody goes to a seminar or a two-day camp, whatever you want to call it, is what what you get out of it. You have to feel that you got something out of it that you needed to hear, wanted to hear, um, and was looking forward to. to hear, and even if you didn't know what it was you wanted to hear, if, if you heard something um, that just struck you and, and made sense to you or made you think, that's the idea behind going to something like this. And uh, once again, I, I know quite a few guys out there who have done seminars and done camps, and they do a great job. And that's that's it's really up to the person going to figure out if they got something out of it and something worthwhile. And um, uh, you'll know if you do. You'll, you you will know if you do. We, we talked earlier this morning about uh, some matches to watch, and uh, one of my go-to matches is Terry Funk versus Harley Race in Houston, 40 minutes of, uh, 40 minutes of wrestling. And, and I explained, if you watch this and have to turn it off after six minutes, because you can't take it, it just doesn't grab you, doesn't interest you, well, okay, I understand. Um, But then you have to understand the basics 
and fundamentals never go out of style. And Harley versus Terry was basic fundamental wrestling um, for the NWA championship for the, in 1977. But these guys tell a story from the beginning to end. They don't throw one punch until the end. They throw some chops. They throw some forearms. There's a couple strikes. They don't look at the audience one time to say, come on, give me some uh, some encouragement. They, they're they concentrating on each other. They're thinking, shoot, but they're working. It's 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 the premise with, from which they come from that, that we explain this is what we want, want you to take away. Um, and some people will use match study during the seminars, and some won't. We, we cut off the building, uh, our training facility, and Les took one, one side and I took the other. So um, I, I do believe it's a cool thing. I'm happy that we were able to do this, and especially during this time, when when things are so insane and crazy and up in the air and unpredictable that we can do this for someone and, and uh, we we capped it at 30 that, that was our limit and we sold out i think within the first two weeks and uh for over 30 people to come to knoxville tennessee and walk in our building again uh i i like our place but but you have to be dedicated if you want to go there because it is hot in the summertime and it's cold in the wintertime. But uh, we, we hopefully don't make you think about the cold or the, or the heat. We, we, we want you to be concentrating on, on what you're doing in the ring, what you're saying for promos, what your passion is. And, and if you have a passion for professional wrestling like myself and many others, um, then you'll find that you're in the right place. Uh, it may not always be <clears throat> the greatest practice for you that night. It may be one of those nights where uh, you 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 need to work on something that, that um, wasn't quite coming to you, but I promise you we will do everything in our power to make it uh, uh, click and connect and help you with understanding in every aspect of professional wrestling. I really truly think that and believe that um, there were there were many many people, if not all the guys and, and girl, woman, lady that came, didn't get something out of this camp. And uh, because we covered the gambit, we we covered as much as we could and explained to everyone why the details matter, why it's the little things that add up to the big things. And um, the way you learn this. And, and understand that is repetition, uh, talking about it, preaching it, and, and uh, keep bringing it up on a daily basis. And we did it for the last two days, man. It was, uh, it really, really was, uh, I think, a fulfilling camp for a lot of people. Now, this episode, I feel like it's going to be a little scattered, maybe a little all over the place, because there's so many different things I wanted to kind of talk to you about. But first and foremost, I want to mention last week's Smoky Mountain Wrestling Super Bowl of Wrestling, which was in line with kind of the date. It was uh, 1995, but it was August 4th, 1995. But just a follow-up, because a good buddy of mine, Tyler, that is just a huge fan of Smoky Mountain, a huge fan of you, and a big fan of the show, he just sent me, because he is just a historian of Smoky Mountain. So he, he just sent me a couple little... Uh, notes because he was listening and he said, Hey, I know you thought that um, 
the Knoxville Coliseum was bigger, but he was actually the maximum capacity is only 6,500, but it's less when you have, you know, wrestling with the entranceway and stuff. So 5,000, he was saying, is a great draw and is a great, great house um, for, uh, for Knoxville at the Civic Coliseum. Oh, wow. See, I, I don't even know that we had an entranceway, though. I think we just had uh, – oh, uh, Kind of, I, sort of. Kind of. Maybe – okay, yeah. maybe we did. Maybe we did. I See, every time I've been there, I know WWE does have an entrance set up, a, a, a ramp, I guess. But, I yeah, it, it could be that. I could be thinking of the Sam Houston Coliseum capacity because I know the Coliseum in Houston was – uh, could could see way more than than five thousand. It was like ten thousand. So yeah, look, 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 I was happy with the house, uh, and I'm sure Jim was too. I just was thinking, if it's if it was only fifty six hundred people or five thousand, whatever it may be, certainly Knoxville had a mm-hmm. bigger building than that. That that was just my thought. But but no, I'm I'm glad we did. I'm glad it was a. Uh, it was a great crowd. It, was, it, it certainly was. Look, and, and here, let me just say this real quick. The Knoxville wrestling fans were always uh, passionate about it, and and they let you know about it. And that's why it was all always fun to work in the Southeast because um, the, the Southern wrestling fans appreciated um that kind of wrestling, and it and had been generational, but it kind of uh, stayed that way through through the generations. You had guys who who were kind of colorful and rough and tumble, and, and liked to fight, and and would make these big uh, boastful statements on TV and radio and all the all the media we had back then, and um, it was. It came down to, you know, you would get people coming out of the hills, and you would get people coming out and, and supporting you. So uh, if there was something big in the Coliseum, well, they'd come and do it. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, I would agree that Smoky Mountain had a rabid fan base, and they had people who cared about it and uh, wanted to support it. The team that I kind of was like, wow, that's pretty damn random. There's another team I'll mention in a minute, too, but I said the Headbangers defeated Chris Michaels and Flash Flanagan, which is true, but originally, and he sent me the screenshot from the show, from from the TV show the week before, it was supposed to be the Steiner Brothers against the Headbangers. <laughs> yeah. Which actually would have been which actually would have been pretty good. And I don't All know right. if you know this, but you know where they ended up that night, right? No. They ended up wrestling for ECW that night. The Steiners? Yeah. Isn't that crazy? It is crazy. It actually it actually is crazy. And I know I know Jim wanted to uh uh try and get him get, get WWE, get the, the get Vince to drop the belts uh to to us, to Jimmy and I for at least a week and then uh have the Steiners win them back at the end of the week, you know. So I mean, just just to give us a little credibility, and uh, uh, they switched the the titles to the Quebecer, not the Quebec. Yeah, was it Quebecers? It was Jock and uh, Pierre. Pierre, yeah. Were they the Quebecers then, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so yeah, uh, you know, maybe maybe that was I don't know what what. <laughs> why the bookings were were the way they were, obviously, but but they, the Steiners did come down and uh, work with us for a week. 
Uh, we just didn't have the titles with them. But so maybe that was it. Maybe because they came in and worked with us already, they they just figured out ah, to hell with it. But but it could be wrong. No, no, they're they're long gone from uh, WWF at this point. So they're oh. basically yeah, they went back to New Japan for a while, and ECW got them for a bunch of bookings. But I think what happened was Heyman snaked Cornette. That's what it seemed like because ah. Cornette was you know promoting obviously that match. And all of a sudden, boom! They're you know they're wrestling deadly, deadly, and uh, two cold Scorpio in you know in uh, Pennsylvania. So it's just one of those things where I think he snaked them. Uh, and, and yeah, kind of it just them. yeah, that doesn't, doesn't sound like Paul. Gee, hmm. that, that's a joke. <laughs> anyway, yeah, anything could have happened on that deal, by by all means. So yeah. the next one was, I just love kind of this because. I didn't even know some of this. So, I mean, this is great stuff. PG-13 USWA tag title match was originally supposed to be Steve Armstrong and Jackie Fulton. I guess Steve Armstrong got injured. So that's why he was replaced with Curtis Thompson. So, I mean, some of this is just, you know, Cornette kind of booking on the fly and, and booking, um, you know, fixing the booking, if you will. Uh, yeah, sort of yeah, match. yeah. I, I was going to say, if, if anything, he was fixing it, not just booking things, not, right. not knowing they would be. But, yeah, and and that would be. Um, another another headache that Jim was uh, experiencing by himself and didn't have anybody to, uh, I, I guess, join in his misery, except maybe Brian Hildebrand and maybe Casey O'Connor. I'm not sure, but but that that was a um, uh, just having that position, having that responsibility is. Uh, uh, something I certainly wouldn't want and didn't want, and uh, right now I still don't want it. it, it just dealing with, with bookings, dealing with TVs, dealing with finishes, dealing with just everybody. Uh, you're a babysitter, and back then you had some pretty big babies with a lot of tantrums going on. So I don't want it. Would not want the job. Still don't want the job. Next up. Smoky Mountain Wrestling Tag Team Championships. Originally, the Heavenly Bodies, not on the card. I didn't know this. This is interesting. Rock and Roll Express versus the Thugs was supposed to be the tag team title match for the Smoky Mountain titles. Obviously, the Heavenly Bodies ended up defeating the Thugs for the tag titles, as you guys replaced the Rock and Roll Express. Ricky Morton fired after a fight that involved Tracy Smothers and all the wives slash girlfriends. Yeah. Interesting. Well... <laughs> Interesting. Yes, I, I do remember hearing about that 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 incident, uh, but I didn't know we were I didn't know we were uh, taking anybody's place. But it, it, it sounds possible. It was is certainly a possibility. And back then again, um, you had a lot of combustible. Uh, relationships, if you will, and they're not. Some some would be best left separated and uh, uh, mute. Keep the mute button on. And back then, it was again uh, more of a wild west territory, and and uh, everybody here loved it because it was wild west, and because it was. Um, with passion and it had a, it had a direction, but when you, when you get wives or girlfriends involved, sometimes it's, it's not, um, not for them to discuss what needs to be discussed. If I can say it that way. And I don't mean, you know, a woman should be seen and not her. That's not, 
Uh, that's not what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to say that sometimes it's better left uh, business when you're not in the business to uh, to everybody else and not. Uh, and if you are in the business, um, as Rock would say, know your role. Hmm. But 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 you know what, man? They they yeah, got over it, made up because it was a crazy time. Everybody was uh, stressed out, and everybody was doing their best to do their best. In my opinion, that's what I think. So that is kind of that with the Super Bowl of wrestling. But I did want to also mention this, the untimely passing and the death of Kamala, James Harris, who actually passed today uh, as we're uh, taping this episode. So kind of a a little bit of of a shocker as we started rolling here. But uh, RIP Kamala for sure. And you actually have wrestled him several times. GCW, going back to Georgia, you wrestled him. And then, of course, USWA in uh, Memphis, Tennessee, you wrestled him as well. Of course. And uh, I met uh, Sugar Bear Harris when I first started wrestling along the uh, Louisiana, Arkansas, Mississippi, you know, area when I first, very first started out in October of 79 and uh, met a lot of guys like that, like Porkchop Cash and, uh, oh gosh, another guy, uh, not, not, anyway, there, there, there were a lot of people, but I've, I've known, uh, uh, Kamala for for many many years, hell, from the beginning when it first started. So, yeah, it, it, it's always it, it's always sad when when people you know as you get older pass away, move move on, and uh, what what do you say when that happens? It, it, it's 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 sad. Um, I knew he'd been in bad health for a while now, but. Uh, Kamala was always a good guy, always an easygoing temperament, always a a fun person to be around in the locker room. And uh, I think he got it when he found this gimmick, when Jerry Jarrett him this gimmick of Kamala. uh, He embraced it, and and my gosh, what, what 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 a hell of a gimmick. For him to be, he was not going to ever be mistaken for a technical uh, wrestler, a technical wizard, or anything like that. But you let him go out there and uh, be the part of Kamala, uh, not only is he going to draw money and and, uh, attention, he's going to have fun doing it. And a lot of times the boys would, would... be in the ring with him and try to make him laugh. And sometimes he would, but you know, the face paint would hide it. And, uh, it, it, it's, it's a lost art these days to be able to get a gimmick like that over and to be convinced to be convincing. He would do things like when, when he couldn't catch a ride with somebody to the arena, he had to buy, go by himself. He would, uh, as he got closer to the arena and he would see people outside, uh, he, he would act like all of a sudden he couldn't drive and run over the curb and run over stuff and things like that. He would do that especially when he was leaving. If he got into his truck, he'd back up and act like he couldn't drive. You know, hell, he's a Uganda giant from Uganda. Uh, they're not supposed to know how to drive, right? He's a damn uh, wild man. He's crazy. He stays in the in the jungle and paints his 
his belly and his face right. You know, Lawler did all that stuff for him. Um, but uh, always a great guy, a lot of fun, and, yeah, I agree. R.I.P. James Harris. Good guy. Good man. I had the uh, pleasure of interviewing him uh, several years ago, talked to him a few times. Super, super nice guy, super cordial, easygoing. Actually, has a really good book out there by an uh, author named Kenny Casanova, if anybody wants to check it out. Really different than your kind of normal just going down – reading about the guy's history you get quotes from wrestlers and it's it's broken off a little bit differently so just thought that was a cool read um from kamala's book if anybody wants to learn a little bit more about him but he definitely what a great gimmick and i was looking up because somebody had said what a good draw he was in 87 for hogan and i was looking up some of the numbers oh man him and hogan drew drew a ton of money two hundred thousand dollar house two hundred thousand dollar house it's like holy crap him and him and the hulkster in 87 leading up to andre quite the draw yeah, yeah, and I, I think, <laughs> pardon me, I think it would be beneficial to anyone who uh, wants to break in professional wrestling to study uh, someone like Kamala who, who got that gimmick over and, and uh, made money with it. Uh, different time, different place, different era, sure. Uh, once again, I think the place they were coming from was was a place you need to to find and embrace and understand. If you educate the fans, educate the people that are coming to watch you or watching you on TV, and you educate them convincingly, um, authentically, and from your heart, they will buy into you, whether they believe it's all in the up, up and up or not. Uh, they can believe in the fact that you're believing it, and you're not cracking. You're not breaking character. There is no character. This is you. And just, just a, it might be a very interesting case study for anyone who wants to break in and understand the psychology and the thinking behind the Ugandan Ugandan giant. Um, you know, he was from Mississippi, and all of a sudden. Somebody gets an idea. Now he has to think along those lines. He's no longer a sugar bear Harris. He's Kamala, the Ugandan giant. And uh, so uh, I I doubt there will be another ever. But, uh, you know, he, he he was the original and one of those guys who,
which which is uh, you know great that you're uh, you're in that match, but just interesting that uh, they're putting the belt in him. He just strikes me as a guy that yeah he never really needed a title. That gimmick is pretty strong on its own. Well, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, I don't believe he ever needed a title. I think that was just Memphis' way of uh, keeping the mix fresh in a, in a, in a sense. Uh, but. But yeah, come on! A, a gimmick like that certainly didn't need the world championship. It was uh, stand, stood alone in, in its drawing power, in its appeal, and its uh, um, being able to reach people through uh, television and just just the appearance. Because he didn't make any promos. He didn't he didn't cut any promos. He he uh, he had somebody doing the talking for him. So, uh, but but then he had to go in the ring and perform and and get over. Uh, so uh, that was that was uh, probably one of those angles and ideas that Lawler or Jerry Jarrett or whoever had to uh, just change things up, make it fresh. But you're right; he he didn't need a title. He didn't need a belt. And uh, uh, if if he was if he was as rotten or stiff as he could have been, he never would have gotten not even close uh, to the opportunities that he did. But it was because he was safe, because he understood business, that that, that he got the breaks. And and uh, I, I would dare say that he deserved every every break he got. Interesting here, this match. Jeff Jarrett, Jerry Lawler, the Spirit of America, Randy Lewis, and Dr. Tom Pritchard defeat Eric Embry, the Gravedigger, Jimmy Lee, Kamala, and the one and only Tony Falk. How do you like that uh, four-on-four match? Well, you want to talk about an eclectic group of uh, guys, I guess, and, and, and some of those people, you have to ask yourself, what and what are they doing in there? And, uh, <laughs> you know, Memphis, Memphis, um, I, I actually enjoyed my time there, uh, but Memphis would do things that nobody else would do. and It was not a popular territory. Uh, for many many years, and with good reason, because <laughs> because, and the people who know know, and the people who don't, not necessarily. Um, does it do anybody any good to <laughs> to go into burying people now? Because uh, if you if you were going to bury them, you should have buried them then, and and done something about it. But Memphis was an interesting place. And uh, the who's who of wrestling, you have to say this, the who's who of wrestling has passed through Memphis, wrestled at the Mid-South Coliseum, and, and other places. But, um, yeah, there, there, there were a lot of strange pairings back then, and uh, people who just wind up there, and uh, you see them one, one or two weeks, and then not see them again for a while. Just, just the way it was operated back then. Going from talking about Blue Chew to JPWA, basically to the unfortunate passing Kamala, now to the wacky world of the rocker, Marty Jannetty. And I know I texted you this. You had a great response to it. Uh, won't say that on air, but it just crazy Marty Jannetty. Uh, he always has some insane story to tell. 
I've worked with him on a few occasions, not wrestling. I'm talking about like bringing him in for an autograph signing. He has some crazy ass stories um, he's mentioned to me. I don't even know if some of them are suitable for air. <laughs> some of the stuff he said was, I don't know, just laughing, thinking about some of the stuff that he was talking about. But this was crazy. He basically says that he murdered a gay drug dealer behind a bowling alley because he was you know, trying to rape him. Do you believe this at all? Well, anything's possible. Um, anything is possible, in, not not just in wrestling, but in life. And um, they always say truth is stranger than fiction. Uh, I've known Marty for a few years, and I've I've. <laughs> I, I've seen some of the stories that Marty's talked about. Um, I was never real tight with Marty, but I, we, we, we've uh, talked and socialized. Always been cordial. Excuse me. But um, he never used the word murder. I think he used the word disappear. Mm-hmm. Yes. Technicality, maybe. I don't know. I, I, I don't. Well, nobody knows. But if you're asking me what I think, if this is true or not, once again, uh, when when you get in an emotional state, sometimes uh, we're like porcupines, and and here come the needles, here come the uh, uh, defense mechanisms. So you uh, unleash some of the poison with the needles, and you say things that maybe you mean, maybe you don't mean, maybe you talked about sometimes and, and you forgot you talked about them then you say it again and uh, after a while I don't know if you can differentiate uh, fact from fiction and I, I say that not knowing or understanding completely where Marty's at right now as far as his his mental state and anguish in life and uh, things in general. So anything is possible. I will say that. I don't know that um, anyone can speculate and uh, and come up with an answer conclusively because, <laughs> as you said, Marty has some crazy stories, and you look at him going, there's no way. And then later on that night or an hour later, he will prove to you that, it may, he may not uh, do or, or show you what he's just talked about, but he'll do something that will put it right in the ballpark of, well, if he did this, he might have done that. Uh, but you don't know, and it's pure speculation on anyone's part, certainly my part. But I will say anything is possible. Anything is possible. You know what's funny about him is he is such a good storyteller like when he's actually telling you a story. So sometimes it comes off as truth or fact, but he's definitely just like – it's just kind of like I guess he's holding court almost or he's he's telling right. whatever. Because when he's telling you a story, he goes into these awesome impressions, which is insane, like how good they are really. I mean right. he, does a, he does a good Harley race. He does a good Macho Man. He does a good Piper. Uh, he does a decent uh, Michaels. He has a decent Vince. I mean all the – and Pat Patterson. I mean he just goes on all these stories. You know, like 
what's true and, and what isn't? Because he's just like you're so like encapsulated with what he's standing, but you're like that can't be true. Like you said, like that right. can't be. But what we, but the thing is, um, and I I I tried to do it years ago when I would hear guys like. Um, uh, Dr. Jerry Graham tell a story, or uh, Bobby Jaggers, who is known to be a liar or a fabricator of tales, if you will. And uh, at the same time, you know, you would go along, and suddenly the story becomes true and it becomes verified from somebody else. Um, so you, that's why I say anything is possible. And uh, Marty is a great storyteller. He's very entertaining. He's he's lovable. He's likable. And you 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 want to try and help him as best you can. Uh, but but the thing is, when you've been going so long, you know. Again, I equate it to being at sea for over forty years and. And you might have, you might see a mirage, you might see something floating on the ocean that isn't what it what it seems to be. But when you get on on dry land, you know you recall it like it was, like it like like it like the way you wanted it to be, or or maybe even worse. I don't know. Uh, maybe maybe Marty imagined. Maybe Marty had a fixation. I don't know. I honest to God. Uh, my opinion on this is it's um, it's something that happened so many years ago and it's such a horrific thing. It's such a horrific uh, set of circumstances no matter what. No matter what. I mean, that that's terrible in itself that someone would take advantage of Right, uh, someone who has no defense, no no way to fight back, and no way to uh, to defend himself. There, there, there's there's that's a that's a horrible horrible thought, and I I know that if it happened to anyone that I cared about and loved, and if I found out, um, I, I couldn't. I don't even want to say that I would what I what I would do because I don't honestly God know that I could. Uh, do what I would do, but I would know that my life would be worth putting on hold or completely, at least the last act on earth would be uh, retribution. So I, I, I have empathy for anyone who's been through a circumstance like that, by all means. And I, um, after knowing Marty and knowing Marty the way I do, and knowing Marty, I guess the way you do too, because he treats everybody like he's your, his, his friend, and and he'll he'll treat you the same way. Uh, that, that here we are, we're, we're sharing a moment, and let's talk. You want to hear about what I did? Well, here's here's what I did. Obviously, he he was a little uh, stressed out when he made the post or wrote what he wrote and said what he said over, you know, the personal things going on in his life right now. So uh, who knows, man? Who knows if he was just spewing spewing words, spewing the truth, spewing um, fabrication, having an idea, maybe he dreamed it. I don't know, man. I mean, we can can speculate all night long, but the fact is, 
sometimes you just need to deal with it in other ways. That's why I'm not a big fan of Facebook. I'm not a big fan of social media. I'm just not. With Marty and kind of getting off the subject of, of his post and maybe you know get away from his personal life, what about him as a worker and as a wrestler? Because you wrestled him a lot in the WWF starting basically Survivor Series 95 all the way through uh, August of 96, basically. I mean, it's a pretty good run of wrestling Marty and the New Rockers. Yeah, yeah, no, listen, Marty Marty was one of those guys who loved the business. And when he and Sean went to uh, Minneapolis and, and uh, did their angle with Buddy Rose and, and Doug Summers and won the titles, and Minneapolis was, was not doing great business either, but, man, they were getting a break. They, they were being featured on magazines, being featured, um, and, and – Showing, showing what they could do. Then when it came to WWE, obviously they, God, they had talent, and Marty was very talented. Uh, but once again, I think Marty was one of those guys. If if you respected him, uh, he respected you right back. But if you showed him disrespect, he was one of those tough kids. At that time, he's not a kid now, but at that time he was a tough kid. Uh, and I'm sure uh, Sean and he had their their moments and talked about it. Uh, but I'm sure Sean was could be disrespectful at times, and Marty would not haul off and just knock him in the mouth, man. So, um, as a worker in the ring, very few were as good, and certainly very few were even better than Marty. Uh, he could do anything. I, I think he was a natural. I thought it was great. Every time I sit in the ring with him. Such a great underrated worker. And we almost uh, talked about that a lot last week about how good of a worker is. This is obviously before we you know, heard this story and we're touching on it again, but we were talking about how great of a worker he was last week and compared to Michaels and how you know maybe he had uh, a lot of issues backstage and, and personal issues that kind of thwarted it. But I believe he holds the record for being hired and fired from the WWF the most times. I think someone tallied up to be eight times. So obviously, you know, he's had his uh, issues throughout the years. Well, I think it just goes to show you that um, there's there's there there are such a thing as second and third chances, sometimes fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth chances. And if you have talent, uh, and if you're pretty much a decent person, and you're trying to put your best foot forward every day, WWE will help you out. And I still think that uh, if Marty needed help, I, I still believe that, that there would be someone still in WWE um, that would help him. I would hope I'd be right. I, I don't know. But I, I, I don't know everything Marty did. But I don't think he's done anything that uh, would warrant turning your back on him completely saying, you know, get lost because he, he, he I don't think he does anything maliciously. I just think he does find him, himself in some, uh, odd circumstances at times and man, who doesn't? Well, I don't know. I'd, I'd hear people out there saying, well, I don't man. Cause I don't do the same thing he does. And then, I'm, I'm not sure how to respond to that, except I'm, I'm sorry you don't, because it'd be a lot of fun, I'm sure. I don't know. 
Marty and obviously Al Snow at this point, the new rockers, wrestled you guys a ton. Like we, we've talked about a lot, WWF really kind of didn't put too much stock in the tag division. They kind of just had four basic teams wrestling each other a lot. And it was, it's really crazy. When you really go back and you look at it, there's so many four-way elimination matches or four-way tag matches with the smoking guns, the Godwins, the Rockers, and the Body Donnas. It's like, wow, they're just going to put all their tag teams in one match and just throw them out there. Yeah, I, I hate to, to even say they didn't care, but they didn't care. I mean, it wasn't it, it wasn't the the priority at all, and I understood why. we were, there, there was no... Uh, mix. There was no lightning bolt. There was no. Uh, there wasn't. There just wasn't the excitement there for it. There wasn't the interest, and and uh, that's a shame for guys like Al and Marty, and uh, hell, even even for the Godwins, man, because uh, Phineas and Old Henry were, were good workers. They actually were were really good workers, and. Could take care of anybody when they wanted to. They were good guys to have in the dressing room, and uh, Marty and, and and Al were were criminally underrated during their time there. So, no, it was not. Uh, it wasn't a very good time to be a tag team in WWE, and uh, it was just something that I think Marty accepted for the time frame and time period. And, um, uh, man, we all did. We all did. Unless we're going to speak up and, you know, go band together by God and go tell the office we're not going to do this. And certainly we weren't going to do that, uh, band together and go tell the office we don't want to work in this four-way tag situation. But uh, you're right. Marty Gennetti has been underrated most of his career. And um, then... You know, finds himself in the predicaments he finds himself in for whatever reason. But uh, overall, uh, Marty w- was a decent guy, decent person, and I don't think you'd find too many people say otherwise. As far as Marty and this story, do you think that there's a possibility that he may still get in trouble for it? Because it seems like maybe he should have just kind of kept his mouth shut, but... I think that they're now they're saying the police might be investigating it. Well, here once again, uh, if you implicate yourself, uh, I think they have a duty to to look into it. But once again, um, if if it was Marty just being Marty and Marty. Uh, uh, venting and trying to make somebody like his girlfriend think that uh, uh, for whatever reason, I don't know, man. I mean, again, I'm speculating, but but who knows if he could get in trouble if they investigate? Well, then you have to let the chips fall where they may, I guess, uh, because it was it was it, it was you who brought the attention. To it, and I my my thing is, if that happened or whatever happened in the past, uh, as serious as that, then 
then it's in the past, and only you know. And and if he's been living with it all these years and all this time, who knows if if, if he's um, ready to stop carrying that burden on his shoulders and he felt good to release it. Well, and maybe he wants to. Uh, Get get that off his head, and and maybe he wants to pay a price. I don't know, man. But if he does get in trouble, or or they do find something, then I think Marty would be the type of guy, especially at this time in his career, to say, "What the hell, man? Uh, here's here's why, and if if this is what it is, this is what it is." I don't believe there's any statute of limitations on murder. Okay, I get that, but. At the same time, I do think that um, uh, hearing circumstances, hearing, having a judge hearing the circumstances, this is a completely different culture we live in today. And I, I, I still think that there are people who understand and believe that if you abuse a child, especially, or a kid that can't fight back, or someone who is is less who is helpless, um, I, I, I would hope there's still some people out there with empathy as well as sympathy. I don't know the circumstances except from what Marty's wrote. So, uh, yeah, there's a chance you could get in trouble, and I would hate that for him, but... Uh, it, <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to justify anything. I just want to say that I think it's 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 wrong for someone to try and take advantage of somebody weaker than you, uh, or less than you, just because you can. I just think that's wrong. I do. I just hope that he cannot get in trouble for that. But I mean, I guess maybe he could. I'm just hoping for me myself that, man, you know, he's a 13 year old well, kid. You know, trying to. Whatever happened, if it did really happen, you know, just yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm really, I hope he doesn't get in trouble either. I just, I just know that sometimes, uh, when when we get emotional, we say things that we don't mean, and we say things to get attention, and and it might be the wrong attention, kind of attention that we need. And um, I hope he didn't get in trouble either. I really, really do. Uh, but I, I, I also know that there. There, there might be people out there, may, maybe with this guy's family, who, who, who hear about it and then um, follow through. I don't know, man. I mean, I really don't. But I, I, I don't believe Marty needs to be doing interviews. I don't need Marty needs to be talking to anyone in public about it. I don't think Marty needs to post any more about it. I think that uh, now that it's out there, now that people know, let it – Get a lawyer and 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 defend yourself, but don't defend yourself on Twitter or Facebook or uh, you know doing a podcast or, or or shoot interview or any of that stuff. Just because it can come back and and be it, it's a very serious charge. It's 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 a very serious thing to happen, and you have to deal with it. Uh, appropriately, and that's with lawyers and uh, people who are looking out for your best interest. So kind of getting away from Marty and and just one final topic. I was looking this up, 
and I didn't notice this because we talked about the body donnas more than a few times in the show. But originally, I'm not sure if we mentioned this or not, but originally, was your name going to be Flip instead of Zip? Why, of course. It was going to be Flip. It was going to be Chip. It was going to be Dip. It was going to be Step. It was going to be about about six or seven different names. And I got to tell you, I... uh, the interest and the enthusiasm uh, for trying to figure that one out was completely lost on me. I Everything was copyrighted. Everything was uh, supposedly, this is what they told me. We, we couldn't do flip, couldn't do chip, couldn't do... I didn't want to do any of them anyway. But yeah, then they came up with zip and I went, this is it. This is the end of my life. And at that time... <laughs> At that time, honest to God, um, I, I, I liked Jimmy Del Rey, but I didn't want to be connected with him forever. I just didn't. We were two different people. I, I love Chris, uh, but I didn't want to be connected to him forever. Um, I wasn't. I didn't want to have my legacy as the <laughs> Body Dollars and Zip, and I didn't want to have my legacy as the Heavenly Bodies and Jimmy Del Rey. For a few reasons, um, I knew when the body thing, the body Donna thing came up, it was like, oh God! And I saw the situation, saw what was happening in tag team. I knew what the situation back, was backstage. I knew how this was going to go, uh, and I was, oh, it was dark days, <laughs> and and um, just was not into it. My 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 enthusiasm, my, my participation in this was pretty much non-existent. And uh, it's not, not the way to hit it. You, if I had a better idea, I should have had it. But I should have presented it, but I didn't. So this is how it came about. But in the end, I, was, I had resigned myself to, oh, God, here we are, and this is the way you know, people remember me, and if they do, so be it. I mean, I just had been so beat up and and torn down in my head. I I was ready. I was ready to to just say to hell with it, and and again go back to working uh, uh, a smaller place, and even settling down in Nashville and trying to get a job with with uh, Memphis because they they were still running. I think at that time could be wrong, but somebody was running in this area. So, yeah, we went through the process and it became zip, zero, nada, you know. Oh, my God, this is terrible. And I just remember not feeling it at all. It was no fun being backstage, you know. I mean, I enjoyed – I still enjoyed the business. I still enjoyed getting in the ring. But – but having having to – uh, deal with the outside interference, so to speak, and and uh, all those other things that went with it. Just wasn't a lot of fun for me, man. But but things work out the way they're supposed to, and and eventually that that helped me get the gig to train people, and I've uh, I found an affection for that. So so it all worked out in the end. I just don't uh, don't don't have such a solid legacy that. That uh, uh, that others do, as far as that goes. 
Uh, yes, that is a great stopping point. Want to mention, go to ProWrestlingTees.com and pick up a Dr. Tom Pritchard or a JPWA shirt. Two separate stores. JPWA has a store, and of course, Dr. Tom has a store. You can go to Patreon, where a Patreon page has been set up. You can become a patron and support JPWA. Check out the website, JPWrestlingAcademy.com, and of course, Get Dr. Tom's book, A Pro Wrestling Curriculum, Advice, Suggestions, and Stories to Help the Aspiring Pro Get to the Next Level. Dr. Tom, where can they get this beautiful book? You can get a signed, personally signed autographed copy of my book on PayPal if you send $25 to uh, Dr. Tom Pritchard at AOL.com. That is my address for PayPal. Also, you can find it on Amazon.com. Uh, and they would be happy to send you a copy as well. You can follow me on Twitter at Two Man Power Trip. You can follow Dr. Tom at Dr. Tom Pritchard. Want to mention right now the special deal for our listeners? Visit BlueChew.com. Get your first shipment free when you use the promo code Doc. Yes, D O C Doc. You'd pay just five dollars shipping. Again, B L U E Chew.com. Promo code Doc to try it. For free, Doc, do you got anything going on as far as any more appearances or seminars? Because I know, obviously, we talked about Les Thatcher, but what about anything else? We have, uh, actually, the seminar coming back, I believe, the first weekend of September, back in Altoona for Imagine Wrestling, and uh, we have, we're coming up on the final two weeks of uh, this class with JPWA. Then uh, we will, we will take a week off from JPWA, but I, I have a lot of stuff planned for that, that special week. And uh, uh, it's, it's, it's going to benefit JPWA greatly. I think I don't want to talk about it right now. I'll wait till I get everything in my, um, <laughs> everything in a row, if you will. Uh, but, no, we are we are continuing on. This summer has been uh, a pretty pretty cool summer. Um, interesting people coming by all the time. You never know who's going to stop by JPWA. You never know who's going to uh, inquire about JPWA. So we're, we're working on some cool things to happen, and uh, you know, through through this 2020 season. It's been so crazy. We're, we're all going to get through it, and uh, I think we're going to come out better on, on, on the back end of this whole thing. I really do. All right. Awesome stuff this week. And like you know, you can join us each and every week right here on Taking You to School with Dr. Tom Pritchard. See you next week, folks. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading. 